Um, so for those of you who are not aware, my name is Kylie. I'm a pastor here at One Heart. Great to have you here this morning. We have Pastor Rob and Pauline, our senior pastors. Um, pastor Rob's preaching at Influences at Mount Barker this morning. Um, so that's where they are. Awesome for them. Um, probably still the same weather over there that it is over here, isn't it? Um, but yeah, keep them in your prayers as they are over there and travel as well. So... Um, This morning I want to talk about a concept um, and it's to do with salvation and I've titled my message, Saved. What does that mean? Um, I think if we have been around Christian circles very long, you would have heard people say, are you saved? Is your partner saved? Is your friend saved? And all that kind of stuff. And people go, yeah, I'm saved. What does that even mean? And And what's our language that we can talk about it? Um, So there's actually lots of different ways that we can explain the mystery of salvation and I want to speak about one in particular today that's in the Bible in Romans 5 and it's to do with what we call Jesus as the new Adam. Now I just wonder if you guys are familiar with that concept so I'm going to get you to do a quick (laughs) self-assessment on a scale of 1 to 10 because I'm a nurse and that's how we roll, 1 to 10 scale. One being, just think about how familiar, what do you know what that means, Uh, Jesus is the last Adam or Jesus is the new Adam or the second Adam. If you think, I never even heard that before in my life, then that's a one. Ten being, I know exactly what that means. Give me the microphone, woman. I know what Tertullian and Oregon and Augustine said about it, the early church fathers. I'm all over Jesus is the last Adam. Okay, you're thinking of your number? Where do you sit in that scale? Why don't you tell the person beside you, what's your number? What's this Christ the new Adam? I thought I'd be able to hear some of the numbers. Maybe a show of hands if you were like down in the ones and twos. Yeah, yeah. Over at, around the middle, four, five, six, somewhere around there. A few people, yep. Up at the nines and tens. (laughs) Bible college students, yes. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into it and uh, hopefully we can earn, all learn something about it. Because salvation is, as we all know, not just coming out the front of an altar call and going, yes, now I'm saved. That's the end of it. Close the book. I need to do nothing else. It's, 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 it's a bit of a whole life change and eternal life change. There's a whole thing that goes on and it is a mystery and it is something that we're involved in but something that God does um, and uh, it's, it's tricky to understand and it's tricky to explain in our limited language. We've only got like 20, uh, tw- I've forgotten how many letters in the alphabet, 26 or 24? 26, we've only got 26 letters in our alphabet and we're trying to explain the things of God. So we're going to use Paul's example and speak about the new Adam and figure out what he is trying to tell us about salvation today. So if you want to look um, up on the screen, so I have the Bible verse or look in the church app, the Bible verses are written out there or in your Bibles at your tables or wherever you are. Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, so this is Adam, like Adam and Eve back in the garden, miles before Jesus came around, miles before us. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. And death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. 
Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. It wasn't counted as sin because there wasn't any law to break. Still, everyone died. From the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who didn't disobey an explicit commandment of God like Adam did, everyone died. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. Verse 17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Because of Adam's disobedience, one guy sinned and somehow all of us are guilty. Hmm. On the face of it, it doesn't feel very fair. It feels like one of those school situations where the teacher goes, one person's been naughty, you're all staying in. It doesn't feel fair, does it? So to find out what is going on here, we're going to jump back to the very beginning and look at Adam. In Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So in Genesis 1 and 2, we see that God has created the universe, God creates mankind, and it is very good. They're not perfect and super beings, but he had no special extra powers in us. He was just a guy like us, but it was very good. And we see there's kind of two... Um, nature, not natures, there's two types of life in Adam. There's the, he's from the dust of the ground, so God made him from the earth. He's a natural man, like all of us, made out of carbon and nitrogen and phosphorus and whatever else we're made out of. Um, but then there's a second thing that happens. He breathes the breath of life, that ruach, the spirit of God, something of the God nature got into God as well. So God, Adam was made a natural man and a spiritual man in the beginning. This is God's plan that we be natural and spiritual. And if we look on the next slide, as I said before, the language that we have, we just call everything life, tiny four-letter word. But in the Greek, they actually use two different words to explain what's going on here. Bios, which is where we get like the word biology from, which is to do with the physical, natural, our everyday life, the behavior, the stuff that we do with our bodies. That's a bios life. And then there's this other kind of life, which is Zoe life, which doesn't mean eternal life, but it means spiritual life. A spirit is alive. We're more than just a body. We have a spirit as well. Something of God, Peter calls it partakers or participators or sharing in the divine nature of God as well. So human beings have this bios life and this Zoe life in the beginning. And I'm sure you're all familiar with the story. We probably don't need to read it in great detail. So God has made Adam and he says, you may eat freely from every single thing that you can see except for that one tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And and then Adam and Eve are hanging out in the garden and enjoying its delights. And then the sneaky serpent comes along. You know the story. And he entices Eve and says, look how desirous this is to your eyes and how good and pleasing it is to eat. Um, And uh, see, God has said to Adam, if you eat of this tree, on that day, you will surely die. It says you will 
you will surely die. You won't just die, you will surely die. The Greek is very emphatic. You will die the death on that day. And then the serpent comes along and he uses the same language. He twists the word of God. He goes, oh, you won't surely die. Your eyes will be open. You'll be like, God, you'll know the difference between good and evil. But you won't surely die. And so Adam and Eve eat the fruit. And on that day, they surely died. And that's the end of the story. But that's not what happened. Is it? It says on the day that they ate, their eyes were opened and they realised they were naked. They started making clothes. They started doing sewing, Sharon. So what gives? Was God mistaken when he said on that day? He didn't say you'll come under a death sentence or you'll start to die and in 120 years you'll die. He said on that day you will die the death, you will surely die. See, what was actually happening in reality is the Zoe life, the spiritual nature of Adam and Eve died on that very day. And so going back to what Paul was saying where he said desperate to everyone, see Adam and Eve once they started having children, they could only pass on, transmit to their children what they had, same as all of us, and all they had was this bios life. They had biological, natural life that they passed on to their children. They had no spiritual life that they were able to transmit to their children. So that's what Paul is getting at when he says, Adam symbolized death and death spread to everyone. So it's not a question about being punished or living under original sin and babies are evil when they're born or, or that it's not fair. It's that Adam from that point on, and all of his descendants can only pass on what he had, which was just the biological life. So when it comes to reading the book of Romans, which is kind of complex, the the people in Rome, the Jewish and the Gentiles, they're trying to work through, well, like how much sin separates us from God? Do all sins, what if it was only a teeny sin? What about if we're babies and we haven't sinned? What if I followed all the laws of God perfectly, so then I haven't sinned? Or Gentiles were saying, what if I never heard of all the laws yet, so have I sinned because I didn't know about them? And Paul's vision, his way of understanding this, he's like, it is so much much, much bigger problem than your sin or not. It is a much bigger problem. There is something from the time of Adam that is inherently broken in our human condition. I am deeply in need of something that I cannot produce. That's why the Bible says we were helpless We were enemies from God, but we were helpless to do anything about it. You know, all through Israel, they were giving sacrifices, they were being forgiven of their sins, but it still would never be enough because we can't spontaneously burst into our spirit, that Zoe life. So Paul's pretty clear. He's like, well, even from the time of Adam to Moses, when there wasn't any Ten Commandments, when there weren't any God's laws, they still all died. So sin separates us from God, but there's... An even bigger problem in the human condition which affects every human. So no matter how good you ever could be, you will n- we will never be able to get the spark of divine life in us. We don't just 
do sins, that's what it means. We are under the power of sin and death and we just keep passing that on. But praise be to Jesus. Just as Adam's disobedience resulted in death being transmitted to all, Jesus' righteous act of obedience, death on the cross, results in a way for him to transmit this Zoe life to everyone. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. That's the good news. Jesus is a new Adam. So Adam's only able to transmit this natural life, but Jesus is able to transmit the spiritual life to his offspring, which is why he says we need to be born again and become part of him, like we're becoming his offspring. In John 3, 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, truly I tell you, very truly I tell you, no one can even see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Oh, how can anyone be born again, Nicodemus said. They can't go back into their mother's womb. He's an old man. He's thinking, my mum's really old. How am I getting back in there to be born again, Jesus? Jesus said, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and the spirit. See, here's a bit about that Adam, in Adam or in Christ. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. We cannot be part of the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is both physical and spiritual. And if we don't have a spiritual nature, we can't see it. We can't touch it. We can't enter into it. We must be born again of the water and the Spirit. And that is the water of baptism and the baptism into the Holy Spirit, which Jesus commands us. So that's why we don't need to be circumcising all our men folk anymore, which I'm sure you're all glad about. Circumcision was the sign in the old covenant of cutting away the flesh, which was a type of looking forward to Jesus, wasn't it? A promise that one day the flesh will be cut, your natural physical bios life will be cut. It won't be your master anymore because of the circumcision of Jesus, the cutting of his flesh on the cross. And so now we have the very gentle water baptism and the Holy Spirit baptism, which 50% of the world are really keen on. So if you haven't been baptised, if you're a believer, and even those watching online or listening on the podcast, we really want to encourage you to enter into a discussion with us, start reading those scriptures. Jesus is really clear that it's part of the being born again, that it's a step that we need to take. It's so rich in symbolism. There's going under the water and coming up. There's forgiveness. There's washing clean. It's like coming up out of the tomb with Jesus. The Bible says that we unite with in death with Jesus, just as Adam and Eve truly died a death, when we're baptized, you know, in faith in Jesus, we die a death as well. The bios life isn't our master anymore, and the Zoe life that God gives us in his spirit comes alive, and that is how we can live truly. So being born again is absolutely required, but it's not actually the goal. Oh, I don't know if some of you 
I'm a little unwell. Maybe my ears are off. Um, I don't know if some of you have been around Christians and all they talk about is being born again. Born again, born again. Who's born again? Get everyone born again. But actually being born again, what a great symbol. If you think about a baby that's born, that's not the whole goal. It's the beginning. You get born and then you have to live. Being born again is the start. And now we have to live a life of holiness to God. What we call in the ACC sanctification. We're born into Jesus and now we've got to grow up into Jesus and live a life of holiness. There is a pervasive voice in the world now, if you look on any type of media or talk to anyone, but it's not new. The devil has no trick, new tricks. There's nothing new under the sun. The voice is saying the same thing that it did to Eve in the garden. You, you should just follow whatever your desires are. This bios life, how you feel, go for it. There's no consequences. You won't surely die. Just follow your feelings. In fact, that's the truth. And your authentic truth is what you should follow. You definitely shouldn't have to sacrifice nothing. You should just be able to follow without consequences how you feel. Isn't that the same thing that the devil said to Eve? And it's very much the same thing that the devil is saying in the world right now. But the word of God says in Romans 8.12, Dear brothers and sisters... You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you. Some translations it says, you owe no debt to your flesh. Another translation says, make no provision and no allowances for the flesh. This Adam life, this um, bios life, we don't owe it anything. We don't have to follow. We don't have to let this be the master of our lives. Verse 13, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, wow, here's a good that. Together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory and then here's a down a bit but if we share in his glory we must also share in his suffering so you see there's actually one more step in God's plan for humanity a further step something that Adam did not have yet God created us to be physically and spiritually human beings just as he did with Adam and as he is now restoring to us in Jesus to anyone who will receive it But there is more. God wants to glorify us. The glory that God has, when Moses saw it, he couldn't, no one could even look at him. They had to put a veil over his face. The glory that God has, he wants to share with us. So the Christian hope isn't just, as we were singing in the the, um, song before that, you know, Jesus has power, he's risen from the grave. The Christian hope is even vaster than that, that we look forward to the resurrection of our own bodies and the glorifying of our own bodies. Isn't that wild? 
And so that's how Paul can say, you know, feast or famine, I found the secret of contentment. His eyes were looking at, looking forward to the resurrection. This is good news for anyone who hits 40. You start to feel those aches and pains. Someone said to me, what, how are you doing? I said, I'm looking forward to the resurrection of my body. <laughs> so if we suffer in these bodies now, the Message Bible says, it's just small potatoes compared to the coming weight of glory while we wait. So we don't lose hope because our hope is crazy big. And so when we are suffering, the Bible makes it pretty clear, if we're to share in his glory, we must share in his suffering. We can unite ourselves to Jesus who suffered on the cross. This Jesus who said, every day you're going to have to pick up your cross and follow me. The Christian life is very, very different. It always has been to the culture around it. But I think we're all recognizing more and more it's becoming blatantly different. We will not live according to our desires and our feelings. We can't live that way and let this bios natural life be the master of us. We are called to live a life of purity and love and commitment and sacrifice. I'll grab the musos back up. So sacrifice... We're called to live a life of sacrifice. That's an abhorrent idea, I think, to most people and to our natural nature and to our culture. You know, if you tell people, how's your life going? I'm living a beautiful life of sacrifice for others. I think you're a bit broken in the head. But for the Christian, sacrifice is worship. You know, we look at the Old Testament and the, um, you know, the way that the Israelites worshipped wasn't that they sang three songs in a row, although that is part of it. Obviously, we've got the Psalms, worshipping and singing as well. But their main form of worship was costly. It cost money, it cost time, it involved bulls and sheep and goats and making loaves and loaves and loaves of bread. And it was sacrifice, was worship. And so, as part of following Jesus, as part of not following our bios, natural life, there will be sacrifices. But every single little sacrifice that we do, when we know we should be loving and we have to uh, shut that voice up in that we're going to get revenge and we be loving instead, when we, we're generous and, and kind and caring and patient with our families, when we don't want to be naturally but we make ourselves be spiritually, when we care for the poor, when we go above and beyond, when we try to be like Jesus, when we give to people who can't pay us back and we follow the Word of God against our natural nature, every single one of those little sacrifices, as well as making us more like Jesus, Jesus receives them as worship. You know, in Revelation 3, it talks about the angels bringing like incense before him, the sacrifices. And it says in Revelation 3, the angels had so much incense to use (laughs) because there are so many, many opportunities for us to sacrifice against our natural life and to choose to walk under the guidance of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus receives that as worship.
So in Adam, <clears throat> Adam's sin led to condemnation for him and for everyone. In Adam, death rules over us. In Adam, even our disobedience will cause others to stumble as well. But in Christ, we are washed clean from our guilt. We're made right with God. In Christ, we triumph over sin. In Christ, we triumph over death. We have new life. In Christ, even our obedience, as small as it might be, can lead others to life. It's just because of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So why don't we this morning um, make a response to the words that we've heard, the verses that we've heard, the scripture we've heard. I just feel like the most appropriate response we could make as a group right now is, 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 like, is just to come humbly before God and in repentance and thanksgiving and acknowledging that we are helpless to do anything and everything He's given us is a free gift from God. Why don't you even, if you're able to, if you don't have dodgy knees, why don't you get down on your knees and and let's just take a moment to pray. If you're able to, even those at home, if you're able to, just get into a posture of, we just humbly come before you, Jesus. Jesus, we acknowledge that this eternal life that you offer us and the spiritual life that you've resurrected in us, it is all you're doing. We were helpless to do anything. We were like tiny babes. But through your cross, your death and resurrection, you have bought eternal life for us. So Lord Jesus, we just want to repent right now. As we think on your cross, we just lay down our sins, those times that we just keep going back to letting that bios life lead us. All the things that we have done that have hurt others or turned away from you and all the things that we haven't done as well when we should have. We just lay them at your cross and we receive your continual forgiveness. We thank you, Jesus, that you have adopted us as sons and daughters. And sin no longer can separate us from you. We are your sons and daughters. So we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. We worship your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that our sacrifices, as we try to live a pure and holy life, that you would receive them as worship, like incense rising before you, Lord. Father knows that will be our resurrection. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would just 
put a seed in our heart of the joy of that day. So when we face suffering and trials, when we feel like giving up or we feel so down, that that joy would bubble up in us and we look forward to standing before you face to face with resurrected and glorified bodies in communion with all those who have fallen asleep in Christ as well. Oh, we thank you for a mighty, mighty, mighty hope in Jesus. Well, I thank you so much for worshipping together with us this morning and I hope that you're able to have a bit more of an understanding. And if you want to read more into that, read, you know, Romans 5 and then head over to Romans 8 as well, which talks all about living life um, by the flesh or by the Spirit. That's in Adam or or by the Holy Spirit. And, And I hope that that's encouraging you that our hope in Jesus is just faster and greater and it's more than enough to see us through this life. Thank you so much. Amen.